Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod, and if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, welcome. This is a Star Wars podcast, if you haven't figured that out yet. Uh, we are going to be chatting about Jedi Battle Scars today, which is a novel that bridges the gap between Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor, the two highly acclaimed video games from EA Respawn Entertainment, and uh, the story and the adventure of the beloved Cal Kestis. And the crew of the Mantis. And uh, with me today, we have returning friend and uh, guest on the escape pod, AJ. It's been a little while since we've had him on, so we'll bring him on in just a moment. And, uh, you know, just a heads up for anyone going forward in the es- episode, if you can drop us five stars, that would be fantastic. All right, let's get into it. That is the fantastic soundtrack done by Stephen Barton and Gordy Hab, who uh, most recently showed up at Star Wars Celebration this past year to talk about their time composing the soundtrack for Jedi Survivor. And uh, here we are. I'm in the escape pod with uh, my good friend, AJ. Welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Yes, it's great to have you back. I keep bugging you to come on all the time, and uh, and here we are. It's been finally, too long. Finally, it has been a while. I think anyone who uh, tunes into the Star Wars Escape Pod fairly regularly might remember your voice from the last, well, not the last book review that we did. It, it almost happened, uh, but it was maybe a couple book reviews earlier. It's a couple of years ago. Do you remember which one it was? I do not. No, it was before Brotherhood. I, I, yes. No, I can't, I can't remember which one. Uh, anyways, you're here. You're back. Second time, right? Yes. Second time. I think we, we had you on when uh, we had Ian on. Yes. Yeah, and I, yep. forget, I forget which one that was for. Oh, it's bugging me now. Um, all right, well, uh, Jedi Battle Scars. This, uh, this novel is uh, written by Sam Maggs and uh, was released March 7th, 2023. So this was actually released before the, the video game sequel came out. And uh, you know, its its um, uh, its intention is to to bridge the gap between the, the first game and the, the second game. So you know, that's uh, uh, partially kind of what we're going to be talking about, um, as well as just some things that that I picked up on. I you know, I highlighted a few things. Uh, you know, we we both read on ebook, so yes. uh, yeah, I've got some some highlights there. 
and uh, also just some character moments and uh, in general just how we found the story and then we'll give it a give it a Pablo points or poodoos at the very end which uh, I might need all uh, as I always do I will uh, explain exactly what our ridiculous rating system is here on the podcast uh, to anyone who's new. Uh, but, um, you know, off the bat, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll read the description for this, for this novel so that, um, those who haven't read the book can, uh, kind of get the idea for, for what it's about. Uh, but, uh, spoilers for anyone who plans to read the book and, uh, you don't, you don't want to be spoiled. You might want to, might want to stop the podcast here. So, you know, forewarning and and minor spoilers for perhaps for the for the game as well uh minor but we're going to keep most of that discussion for next week when we do the full review for jedi survivor so uh that that kept in mind let's uh let's get into this uh cal kestis has built a new life for himself with the crew of the stinger mantis together cal's crew has brought down bounty hunters defeated inquisitors and even evaded darth vader himself more importantly Marin, Seer, Grease, and faithful droid BD-1 are the closest thing Cal has to a family since the fall of the Jedi Order. Even as the galaxy's future grows more uncertain by the day, with each blow struck against the Empire, the Mantis crew grows more daring. On what should be a routine mission, they meet a stormtrooper determined to chart her own course with the help of Cal and the crew. In exchange for uh, help starting a new life, the Imperial deserter brings word of a powerful, potentially invaluable tool for their fight against the Empire. And even better, she can help them get to it. The only catch, pursuing it, will bring them into the path of one of the Empire's most dangerous servants, the Inquisitor known as Fifth Brother. Can the Imperial deserter truly be trusted? And while Cal and his friends have survived run-ins with the Inquisitors before, how many times can they evade the Empire before their luck runs out? Uh, you know, pretty well written synopsis, I yes. should say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cover of the novel features Fifth Brother uh, prominently on the front. That is, uh, if any of you need to know, it's uh, uh, he. He was actually most recently depicted in live action by Sung uh, Sun Kang, the Fast and Furious Han actor, uh, and uh, he, you know, made his debut in Star Wars Rebels as uh, the animated guy with the. He's got the triangular hat, the greenish skin. You know, the lizard-looking eyes, and, and uh, yeah, he's uh, apparently... This book actually kind of beefed up his character a little bit, which I, I, yes. I, I really appreciated that part of the novel. Uh, just off the bat, before we kind of go into the nitty-gritty things, would you say to anyone who might just want a little tidbit right now, you know, to read this book, would you say it's like, uh, before we kind of get into it, would you say it's a must-read, a kind of mediocre like could read or uh, a skippable don't read just to so that we don't waste anyone's time yes. here you know <laughs> yes for sure um i'd say that the story was fairly enjoyable but it could be a lot better in mm -hmm. my mind there were some enjoyable parts and it kind of helped fill in some of the gaps between the two games but like I don't know. There are some things that they took creative liberties with, and I just wasn't a huge fan of. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you know, no Star Wars book is perfect. Uh, that much is clear. Yeah. Uh, I personally think this was a mediocre, don't need to read it kind of book. Uh, this was definitely for those people that, you know, might want to really get invested with this particular 
side of Star Wars because Star Wars is so big. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be in a way uh, thought of as a, uh, a mythology that could be segmented into different little sections. You know, some people are yeah. really into the Mando stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, their big thing is rewatching Mandalorian every week and, you know, doing Book of Boba. They're looking forward to Ahsoka and all those kind of New Republic shows, right? Like the on our Discord, we have our chats are now separated into era yeah. uh, sections. So, you know, maybe maybe that's like their, maybe that's their era of choice, right? Um, this is the dark times. So, like, yes. n- there's not a whole lot happening, at least in the canon so far. I mean, this, this book takes place before the second game by a few years, but... Um, you know, it's definitely in a, in a period of time where there's not a whole lot of stuff right now. Uh, the second game overlaps that of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, but this book doesn't really overlap any kind of big staple Disney plus item or anything like that. So, um, in some ways it's definitely a bit of more of a niche area to kind of be exploring. But if someone is a huge fan of the Cal Kestis games, then, you know, maybe it's the book for you. Maybe maybe this is the kind of book you want to pick up and, and kind of further read into this character. Um, I remember when they did the first game, they did a comic series called Dark Temple or something like that. And they did, uh, it was about Seer and her master who uh, they were doing some sort of like kind of treasure hunting something or another. Um, I feel like, was it, was it called Dark Temple? I can't, I can't remember. Um let me, let me just quickly like Google. Yeah. Yeah. Dark temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh no, never mind. Yeah. No, it's not called. Is it, is it called dark temple? Oh uh, yeah. Star Jedi Wars. Fallen Jedi order. fallen order. Dark temple. It is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going crazy. Nope. All right. Sweet. Yeah. So it's a mini series that was, um, that was done up one issue, uh, that, it, Oh, follow. Oh, sorry. Not, never mind. There was a, there was a couple issues. There's a second issue and a third issue. And I think a fourth issue. Uh, so yeah, you know, it was a mini series and it was, uh, primarily featuring Seer. Oh, actually there was a fifth one too. Yeah. Five issues, five issues total. So you can get the whole thing in like a trade paperback at this point. It's been out for a while, but, um, I thought it was interesting that with the second game coming out, they did have once again, another released piece of literature that kind of tied into the game somehow. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, you know, between the two games, you also have that comic book series and, uh, this novel. So, you know this part of Star Wars is kind of slowly expanding. And there are, um, you know, whispers that the third game is underway and in pre-production and uh, kind of steamrolling forward to create a trilogy of games, which is which is pretty neat. Um, but yeah, um, I think uh, let, let's get into some nitty-gritty stuff here. And, uh, you know, I'd like your opinion on kind of everything that I've run through. So okay. uh, <clears throat> here we go. Okay, so in Chapter 2, all right, a uh, little quote that I'll read. Cal grabbed the stim canister from the mid from the from midair, jabbing it into his other arm without thinking about it too hard. Nobody liked needles, but Cal hated them, especially after a bad experience with a rabid dinoga. Um, yeah, so I thought it was kind of funny that in the game you are constantly using yep. stims, right? Yeah. And I thought it was a really smart decision to actually put that as an element in the book because no other Star Wars book really has that constant like stim you know, continue fighting sort of aspect about it. But this book really took the gameplay and kind of made it part of his story. Like, this is just how he fights. Like, he relies Mm -hmm. on stims a lot. And so, like, it was cool to me that they actually put that in the book because um, I thought that that would be something that would be overlooked, thinking that it's a kind of a game mechanics thing and it wouldn't Mm -hmm. really 
wouldn't really do too much, but like you've read a lot of Star Wars books. Yeah. So like it's not something that comes up a whole lot, right? No, no. You definitely don't see that coming up much at all in any other books. Um, they just fight on their own power. They're not yeah. using stems to try and give themselves a boost or anything like that. So yeah, that was a neat add in that kind of like a nod to the gamers that are reading this book. Just mm-hmm. like, Hey, we know you do this a lot. Let's just, uh, add it in here as a flavor. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a cool little, uh, uh, little extra, you know, a little, mm-hmm. little added extra there. Uh, and it was, it was pretty consistent through the book too. All yeah. his battle scenes tended to have a, uh, have a small stim moment mm-hmm. in there. Uh, so that was pretty neat. Uh, in chapter three, there was a bit of a reference callback to general Grievous. Uh, as we know, fans of the clone wars will know that mm-hmm. general Grievous, uh, went to Dathomir and wiped out all of the night sisters. Yes, And this was uh, a story that has remained true to the first game as well when we first meet the character Marin, And uh, he, she doesn't trust Cal at all because she doesn't know the difference between General Grievous and, and a Jedi wielding a blue lightsaber just as General Grievous does. So that was part of the reason why mm-hmm. she mistrusted Cal for, for the first moment they met. But uh, this book actually did a callback to General Grievous. And it really did do um, a lot for each character. They got into the heads of the characters and uh, kind of explored a little Mm -hmm. bit of kind of why they're in this fight. Yes. And I thought that was a valuable aspect to this book. And uh, a lot of, a lot of the uh, little kind of things that make each of the character uh, what they are as why they're fighting the empire, why they're doing what they do uh, is part of the reason that flows really nicely into the second game when you find all these characters in different different places, right? Mm-hmm. So that was that was for me that was a, a a bonus to kind of get a little uh, verbal reference to that character. Um, you you're you're a big Clone Wars fan too, you know? Did yes. you did you like seeing like those references and and uh, those little things that kind of call back to Clone Wars a little bit? I did. Yeah. That kind of it's nice when authors are trying to tailor their stuff to a wide variety of people so everyone that watches the clone wars they hear that and they're like yes i remember exactly when that happens so it was just really nice that they had that and also speaking to the all the character arcs that they had and like point of views from different characters i thought that was a really great framework that they can take moving forward because I like a lot of um, like big fantasy um, series and they're all like different point of views from their characters. So you get a wider view of the place that they're at. Like, um, So just like that was what I thought was really great about this book was them just going with point of view from everyone's different kind of side. So you can hear like, Okay, this character thinks this, this character thinks that. They're all happening at the same time, and they just kind of really intertwined and weave that in masterfully. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed um, some of the choices that they made. I wasn't as much of a fan of, but I feel like this is a good step in the right direction yeah. for where they can take their storytelling in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point to make, yeah. Uh, chapter four, there was a verbal, uh, kind of mention to a ship called the Thai Brute. And, uh, 
uh, we don't need to comment too much on this, but I thought it was a nice little Easter egg that they snuck it in because Thai brutes were those weird looking Thai fighters that were chasing down the Millennium Falcon in the movie Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Kessel Run. So if you weren't sure what those are, those weren't actually Thai bombers. Those were Thai brutes. And uh, there was, a, uh, a once again, an appearance to them yes. in this novel, which uh, does actually... Actually, you know what? I think I might be wrong about the overlap with this novel. I think it actually might kind of happen in the same time frame as Solo, believe it or not. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's uh, that was kind of a nice little... Uh, nice little kind of visual camo uh, mm-hmm. to, to have, um, as well as the planet Hosnian Prime, uh, which is the same planet that blows up in Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Yes. Uh, that's where they set up the shop, uh, the New Republic. You know, the, the, the New Republic Senate sets up shop on Hosnian Prime at some point between Episode 6 and 7. And then uh, the First Order blows up that planet. So these characters actually visited Hosnian Prime and resupplied there or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. It wasn't. I don't think they lingered there too long. No. But yeah, it was uh, kind of cool to have that little, little uh, planet pop up too. Um, Seer is a character which uh, has been. I I found Seer an interesting character in the first game. You know, uh, I we have kind of come to realize uh, more Jedi have survived the purge than I think we all originally thought. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, she is easily. In my opinion, um, at this point in time, probably one of the most powerful Jedi in the galaxy because, you know, not only does she survive an encounter with Darth Vader, but um, uh, really, I mean, just, it, it, you know, the, the game goes to show and then so does this novel as well. Like she's a very skilled force user, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she uh, she's also a very kind character. So this book actually reveals that um, at some point between the first game and this novel, she sold her own kyber crystal in her lightsaber to pay off Grease's debt. Um, and uh, the thing that, you know, the, the kyber crystal, you know, Grease thinks, uh, this is a little piece from the book, uh, the thing that made her a Jedi Master, as far as Grease understood it, the heart of her laser sword, the shiny green soul of her powers, she sold it for Grease. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of nice to see these little like little uh, things that kind of make a character so much more wholesome in the book mm-hmm. because they really do operate like a family. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those Star Wars stories that if anyone's looking to get that same spirit, I think of the original trilogy um in a different time period slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh this is a the, these games and and this uh book and uh just the characters they're all so different. And they all have their own little, they're, they're, they have they all have their own fight, right? But what makes them a family is them having come together to kind of try and do that together. And uh, this book is uh, unfortunately the story of how that begins to kind of unravel, which is where kind of the story leads into the game, into the sequel of the game. So um, really, people reading this book are going to have this yearning to play the game series. I think you know because believe it or not, some people might actually read this book and not play the games so that's definitely worth noting um you know i I don't expect a a sequel to this book (laughs) or a prequel because the story is in the narrative of the gameplay so uh you know maybe be prepared for for picking those games up (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh but yeah what are your thoughts on on seer you know and just kind of the family dynamic and you know like what what makes that 
uh, is that what makes a Star Wars story special for you, or or do you do you do you not look for that? And I don't particularly look for that in my Star Wars um, readings, um, but I did quite enjoy that dynamic in this book. Um, it just added like the little bit extra um, storytelling that they were able to do, and kind of really grounded Cal's character in that. Mm-hmm. Um, as I think he says multiple times that he looks at this as his family. And like, this is the first time he's gotten close to people in a long time. Um, since prior to the order 66, I think he said at one point in the book. So it's like, yeah, that was kind of cool. Like Sear as the kind of like the leader, so to speak of the, um crew um yeah that that was interesting um cal's point of view was he was the leader um and he was trying to wrangle everyone um of the crew and trying to keep the peace um but yeah speaking to the grease um quote i believe that was before um or during the last game so that kind of explained why sierra didn't have her lightsaber Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the last game yeah so that was prior to the last game when she sold her kyber crystal for grease to try and pay off his debts which ended up not working yeah um as we know in the uh, book right um as they're always hounded by these guys uh the, to, to to circle back to that uh family dynamic you know i think it's also kind of important to know that the jedi code uh, sort of prevents certain attachments, you know, naturally, as we know from the films. Uh, but it is interesting to see a, 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 a family like this, you know, what you mentioned about Cal mm-hmm. having having said something about his, you know, how he's never felt close to anyone since the purge up until that point uh, is is huge for for a character like that to admit it because, you know, he is a Jedi and he lives by a certain philosophy and a certain code and a certain way of living and you know, to have attachments to anybody is, is, you know, whether it be romantic or otherwise is, is, uh, forbidden. Right. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why, um, Anakin's relationship with his mother was considered to be a risk when they took him aboard, because, you know, even though that's not a romantic relationship, it's still an attachment. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, attachments lead to, you know, you know, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, uh, (laughs) um, there was, there was an interesting part in the book where he actually talks to Seer about this and, there was a highlighted section here, which I thought was cool. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, um, uh, I think it's Cal who says this, uh, or maybe Sierra, I forget. But uh, it, it says, but I don't know uh, how to not care. Uh, and I don't know if the people, or if this galaxy is worth saving, if there aren't people in it that you care about saving it for. Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, and like I think what Anakin says in Attack of the Clones to Padme is that uh, his argument is that they are encouraged to love yeah. because they're unconditionally, you know, in, uh, sort of encouraged to love others, mm-hmm. right? And that's the whole point of kind of, I guess, being a, in a, a, a hopeful example to other people, you know? So it's a fine line that they walk, right? 
And uh, it just, it, it's, it's interesting to me that in such a dark period of time, like uh, a family like this, for characters like that, who have lost everything and everybody that they've ever known and cared about, uh, is uh, basically holding them together, you mm -hmm. know, in a time like this and um, giving them something to fight for, right? Uh, so in a way, I guess it's kind of one of those things where and the book doesn't give you an answer for it. And I think it's, it's intended to be something that we all kind of keep wandering in our mind. Like, are the Jedi always right? You know, like are, is the code, uh, leading, was it, was it the code that led them astray and, or, or was it the politics or mm -hmm. like, you know, like there's so many layers to that discussion and so it was very neat to see kind of that present itself in the book again to these to these characters yeah yeah it was great to uh hear their interaction there as master and padawan and oh yeah. well how do you navigate this and they're both like come to the conclusion of well this is what it is let's try to make the best out of it yeah um yeah like there is no easy answer to oh this is how it's done it's like we're just going to have to make this up as we go along. Yeah. And that was kind of interesting how they had that as their, um, one of their moments together as master and Padawan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool to see those moments because of course, when you're, uh, you're, you're playing the game, you don't always get the, those in-depth story moments. No. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was a species that's, that showed up in, chapter eight or so sorry chapter six uh called the amwadi yes and uh i uh, looked into this species because i couldn't recall what it looked like and it turns out that the amwadi is uh visually inspired by that of the holiday special when uh, one of the wookies puts on the holographic vr unit and sees like a dancer with uh like pink hair or something like that hmm. pink dreadlocks of some kind yeah, so that's the Amwadi, mm -hmm. apparently. And uh, I thought any any uh, fans of the holiday special might go nuts for this uh, for this little reference, this little Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chapter 6. A um, little piece to, piece to read here. Uh, once a member of the Alderanian government, I fled once I realized that the Republic Senator Bail Organa was all too willing to become Imperial Senator... Bail Organa. The royal family was never going to take a strong enough stand. Uh, there's a character that we meet in this book who he was once uh, Alderanian and it was, uh, or he or she, I, I totally forget now, I'm blanking on uh, who this character was, uh, Karis, Kiraris. Or, yes. You know, yeah. Uh, the that, Amwadi. Yes, the Amwadi. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting their, uh, their gender now. Uh, but the, uh, the, the the quote here was interesting because uh, it was basically kind of implying that that w from their perspective, you know, like Bale's actually like he was all too willing to be an imperial senator. Whereas in actual fact, he's just kind of like he's acting as a spy yeah. for the rebellion. But, uh, you know, I thought that was a very, very interesting thing to, to, to note because I guess a lot of people would see it that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Like he just kind of you know, goes along with it. And, and I think like for someone who was so stubborn about kind of opposing, you know, all of Palpatine's, you know, stuff later in the war. And, you know, it was, uh, I guess it's an important thing to remember that not everyone knows the story that we know as mm -hmm. the viewers, you know, like these characters in this world don't 
quite know everything that that we know right um did you catch that little reference when it came up or Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely saw that and i was like oh interesting his perspective is bale's just a sellout yeah but i'm like we all know that that's the furthest from the truth yeah so okay bale is doing something right if someone this close that was i think he said he was a senator um for the Ardrani, um, that um, he's like, no, I can't follow this guy because he's just a sellout. Right. Um, but then we we know that Bale is anything but. Yeah, 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 so. exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that just kind of, you know, it comes up and you're like, oh, yeah, it just kind of makes you think, mm-hmm. right? Um, another Easter egg here, Edu, uh, the planet Edu popped up. This uh, is the planet which I think one of the characters was briefly held for a short period of time where it's where they have to take the, the, the plans that, you know, this, this piece of hardware um, that's being constructed in the, as part of the plot of the story uh, needs to be taken there to be analyzed or something or another. Uh, anyways, Edu is the planet in which we see in Rogue One when uh, Galen Erso is killed, uh, his laboratory, uh, when Jin and the the crew of the Ewing mm-hmm. there go to uh, rescue him, but in actual fact, Cassian Andor is you know technically supposed to kill him, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's Edu, the the rainy Rocky Mountain planet. Uh, Mercana also was another mm-hmm. planet that showed up. That was a big one in this in this yes. uh, book. Most of the story I think happened on Mercana, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, the first appearance actually was in Tarkin and uh, you, did you read Tarkin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember Mercana. Yeah. I don't remember. Mer- oh. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like once, once the planet's mentioned, you kind of forget about mm-hmm. it when you're reading these books, but uh, yeah, apparently it's the second time now that it showed up and uh, the fifth brother in chapter seven showed up. Um, instead over time, the Jedi had made him a servant into pol- uh, servant to politicians uh, this this mm-hmm. chapter and this book really gave Fifth Brother a lot more backstory and a lot more uh, just kind of juice to his motivation for yes. being an Inquisitor mm-hmm. in the in the first place, right? Because as we know, they're all once once Force using Jedi. Uh, so I guess the I guess it's curious to me, like I find it a little curious that the reason why he's Inquisitor is because. You know, he just despises what the Jedi made him into. Obviously, he had some political opinions that deferred from, you know, the rest mm-hmm. of the Jedi. Uh, d- what What did you like about the fifth brother now that we know kind of so much more about him? Um, you know, in this in this story now mm-hmm. that we've got all this extra extra yeah. layer to the character, it definitely gave like that extra layer, um, which was great. And I think what his problem with the Jedi Order. Is kind of what people are thinking. Like, oh, were they a slave to politicians? Were they just abandoning their cause of always being like the peacemakers because they're now tied to one entity? Um, so they have to be go along with what they say. Um, so I think a lot of people will look at that and go, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so um, he's more concerned about how his uh, his reputation yeah. was perceived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, because it's like, oh, well, I'm now a peacekeeper, but I'm keeping someone else's peace. 
So it's like they can't be that independent entity that I think he would, he wanted. He wanted to be able to make his own decisions of the best that he knew, not be tied to any type of government entity or anything like that, and just trust in the force and go with what it says. Mm. But then the council is like, no, you can't do that. You have to follow these politicians. And he's like, but how is that a, um, how is that a independent or peacekeeping activity when you're, when you're tied to one entity? Right. So I think a lot of people will look at that and go, oh, maybe that's why the Jedi fell is because they were. Yeah. So short sighted and, We've got to be peacekeepers, but we're tied to this one entity. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, and that was part of Palpatine's plan is really try and, like, make them as, mm-hmm. as you know, try and, try and dump all the politics on the Jedi as much as possible that people just started to see them less as peacekeepers and more of the, more of the war generals that, you know, it's all their yeah. fault kind of thing, right? Um yeah, it was it was it was interesting to see kind of like that be one of the reasons why he hates the Jedi so much and and kind of a reason for him motivated to 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 try and mm-hmm. kill them all, right? Uh clearly he's a bit fired up about it. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I don't think the Republic uh, awarded him enough days at the uh the counselor, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> uh all right, there was a there was a little artifact that showed up in chapter 8 called the Circlet of Suresh. Uh, a little artifact, a force artifact, which is supposed to enhance the force user's abilities or mm-hmm. of some kind. It was something that Seer was going on about. Uh, that very classic Jedi Fallen Order, Jedi Survivor, Indiana Jones r- relic, you know, kind of aspect brought into these stories once more. Yes. Uh, that's always been very constant through any of these Jedi stories is any, any, any of the, you know, whether it's Dark Temple or this novel, or the two games, uh, there's always kind of that treasure hunting, you know, like let's ex- let's go like tomb raiding sort of mm-hmm. thing, you know. Yeah, there's something. There's always something. Yeah. And this sort of element of the story kind of brought me back to that a little bit because without it, I don't think there would be anything uh, in regards to uh, the treasure hunting aspect mm-hmm. of this book. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, 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 the circlet of Suresh, that's a, that's a KOTOR artifact apparently from the expanded universe from, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. The author, Sam Maggs was a big fan of the games. Mm. So the story goes that she actually wanted to put a little Easter egg in there for fans of KOTOR. Uh, and I think you, you enjoyed KOTOR quite a bit, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah did, did you recognize it when he popped up or are you kind of maybe just recovering the memory now that I've told recovering you about the memory? Now. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. Some sort of like neck brace thing that goes, yeah, it was described mm-hmm. as a tiara. Yes. But the picture on Wikipedia makes it look like it's sort of some sort of kind of jaw bone, jawline bone thing that goes around the back of your head. So mm-hmm. I, I don't really know like what, what exactly it's supposed to be, but, uh, but yeah, the book described it as a tiara sort of, sort of shaped thing. So anyway, yeah, for fans of KOTOR, I thought, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's something that they might appreciate. And, uh, Sam Mag clearly a fan mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of the games. Uh, by the way, Sam Mag is a fellow Canadian. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's also pretty cool because, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we're from Canada. <laughs> um, the, uh, chapter 13, Grease started to scream. The Inquisitor cuts off Grease's arm. Yes. Uh, so I know you haven't played too much of the sequel game, 
But now that you've read this moment mm-hmm. uh, and you know that this character does show up in the game, yes. obviously, because you've seen the trailers and everything like that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, any, anyone who has played the second game so far or kind of wants to know why he's got a cybernetic arm in the sequel, uh, this is the moment that he loses that arm. And it's kind of neat that that story was able to be told in this book because, uh, it's funny. It's been so long since I played the first game. I actually didn't even remember that he had all four proper arms beforehand, Mm -hmm. but I, I did recognize the fake arm and I was like, oh, the, the, the prosthetic, that's. I did, did he have that before? And then I just never bothered looking it up. Um, but yeah, when I read this, I was like, oh, okay. So this is this is a new thing. And uh, it was neat that we got to see the moment that that happens. Yeah. 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 What was also nice about that moment, um, from my perspective, is in a lot of these Star Wars books in storytelling, the good guys always win. And it kind of looks like there is no trouble to them winning Mm. or they're able to easily overcome any challenges that are put before them. But then with the Mantis crew here, we see all of them try to go in and kind of hold this guy down, um, neutralize the threat. And it really is just like a last minute effort after three people have tried and failed that they actually succeed. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, oh, they're kind of getting out of that trope of Jedi always win. They're invincible type of thing. But it's like, no, they actually can fail. They can lose. Yeah. And it's like, that's just a big step for me in the story. Storytelling is trying to get away from that trope and kind of make it more realistic and kind of put the humanity back into them. Yeah, I like that the because uh, you know the most innocent person on this team of people is Grease. Yes. I mean, I mean he's 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 not. I would say innocent, innocent in no. the way that like you know like a child would be. But like he's you know he's got his issue with the gambling and debts and the, you know so he's like you know he's 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 he's, uh, he's lived life right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not exactly the one that's uh, killing stormtroopers and going out and slaying down imperial officers and stuff like that. That that's all the work of Seer. Uh, Cal Kestis and Marin, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the night sister, which so I mean, he's really just kind of the pilot. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to see him be the the, you know, the victim of the consequence of of Sears encounter with the Inquisitor trying yeah. to trying to save him, not just straight up mm-hmm. killing the guy, uh, as well as Cal Kestis's inability to defeat the fifth brother initially. Yeah, um, I thought was was a really yeah, like you say, just like, uh, 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 you know, a needed kind of a uh, story for this book because you know the fifth brother has so far in my opinion always been a bit of a a buffoon Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) and uh, you know i say that only because you know i've only seen him in mostly in star wars rebels and more recently in the obi-wan kenobi show yeah and uh, you know and and blake and i are doing the rebels talk after show um currently we're you know we've we've released three episodes for that so anyone who's following rebels talk um you know side note we're, it's going to be a little bit before we have another part out but uh you know tr- you know we will we will get more out more of them out there just keep watching the show and and then uh listen to those when they when they drop eventually you might need to wait a couple weeks for part four but uh you know we're getting there um the the thing with with that particular character when it when he first was introduced to rebels which i think was season two of star wars rebels um 
it was just he was one of those one of those characters like you know the, the heroes are always got to get away every mm-hmm. week there was no consequence when this guy showed up no. you just knew that it was all going to be okay mm-hmm. and this book completely changed that opinion of mine um, with the character i mean i know it's a kids show star wars yeah. rebels but like this book is definitely not written for kids in that sense in that same way right mm-hmm. so yeah it was interesting to finally kind of get some proper action with this character and some real consequence and like some justification, I think really just like uh, justification for the Inquisitors in the first place. Like they're not all idiots and they're yeah. not all like completely incompetent. Like they actually can survive and like, you know, successfully hunt and track Jedi and sometimes in some ways like yeah. kill them as well. So this book really kind of put that into perspective a little bit for me mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because they're known as like the Jedi hunters and yeah. the Jedi killers. But then every single time before this, we see the Jedi having no problem defeating them, evading them. And it's like, but how? Yeah, exactly. How how do they have that reputation if they always lose? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's confusing, right? mm -hmm. So I just, you know, it was nice to kind of see them actually struggle against this guy, you know. Uh, in chapter 16, and this is the last thing I have on the, on the, on, at least on my list, uh, there was a, a little quote here, which I'll just kind of read out. Um, uh, your, uh, determination to topple the empire stops you from seeing the good we've been doing in the moment. Uh, even these small things, they've all helped. Even if we can't keep doing this forever, single-minded obsession is dangerous for a Jedi. Even good intentions can lead to the dark path. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, that's something that Seer tells Cal Mm -hmm. about, about his intentions to topple the empire could be his downfall and, uh, because it can become his obsession, right? Are they foreshadowing? And, uh, you know, and I, you know, I have in fact finished the second game and I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, but I, I will say that this is a quote that plays very nicely into the second game. And uh, for those of you who have finished the second game, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, it was it was definitely a little another little kind of area which uh, I guess expanded upon these characters in a in a positive way and and made the story all that much better and and connective tissue between the two mm-hmm. games and, and and all that stuff. Um, I'm going to talk about something that maybe we weren't such a huge fan of, but. Um, I think this is all everything that we've mentioned so far, things that we we like, things that we noticed, Mm -hmm. things that kind of connect the two things. And we don't need to linger on this next thing too long. Um, But I must mention, I'm not a big fan of uh, of of romantic genre um, stories. And uh, this particular one was really just not for me. Um, So. uh, in the book, there is uh, there is a f- two characters that or two new characters that get thrown into the story. One of them uh, being this, uh, as we read in the synopsis, uh, this uh, stormtrooper. Storm yeah, who is actually in fact not a stormtrooper, but um, but an imperial wearing stormtrooper armor. And uh, this person <laughs> has uh, has a bit of a, a bit of a love encounter with with Marin, the the night sister, and. Um, uh, this is a minor spoiler for the second game, but you know she's not in the second game at all, and um, the trajectory of Marin's relationship with Cal, which was budding in the first game, 
is is continued in the second game as people would expect, right? So for me, this this curveball in the novel was just kind of confusing. Uh, it took me out of it a little bit, and uh, I just wasn't a huge fan of of just about any of it. I, I yeah. feel like personally, I also feel like the story lingered too much upon uh, upon this mm-hmm. ordeal. Um, I know you have something to say on it as well, perhaps. Uh, so yeah, go go for it. Yeah, yeah, they definitely, I think place too much or too strong of an emphasis on the relationship um i feel like the relationship was good for meryl's growth and character development um but they didn't need to go that far or that deep into it um because like she alludes to at the beginning of the book she doesn't care what someone looks like she doesn't care what gender they are. Um, she just likes who she likes. Mm. Um, so it's like, I read that and I'm like, okay, so I know, no, there's something coming up um, that may not be, or may be atypical for Star Wars, um, any other Star Wars before now. Um, so it's like, I knew that was coming, um, but I just didn't appreciate or like the emphasis they put on it because it detracted from the overarching story yeah added some to marin and her development but they could have still achieved the same goal yeah exactly you know the part of part of the reason that and and this is something we brought up earlier is this book is also intended to be laying the foundation for a reason as to why the characters all go their separate ways yeah. before the next game, right? And so by the end of this book, um, Marin, who kind of comes to terms with being away from Dathomir and everything like that, she sort of finds the spark again to to light her magic, her fire, you know, a little yeah. bit, bit, bit more strong than she was able to before. Um, and I guess it has some sort of emotional connection to kind of like finding herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the second game, there were there was some dialogue exchange between Marin and Cal about her having gone off and explored the galaxy for herself, and uh, and sort of really through her travels and her uh, her helping people and doing what she can to to sort of quench the anger that she has for the Empire has really uh, sort of, I guess, assisted in finding herself again in the second game, right? Mm-hmm. And that's also when it's revealed that all the, she's got all these, like, next-level powers now, you know, that you didn't really quite see her use in the first game. So this novel, for me, kind of, like, threw a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a wrench in, in that continuity, it's just a small bit, because now it's the added influence of this person that she meets, um, which has no mention in the game at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, in addition to that, I feel like, like you say, the result could have been the same without this character, without this relationship entirely. You know, I feel like there was still a really good sense of where she was kind of throughout the book, that she was feeling sort of, uh, you know, like not quite herself, that there was still something, something out there. She needed to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I don't think this relationship quite kind of added anything. In fact, it only sort of confused my thoughts of, of, 
of the matter having already played the second game. You, however, have not played the full second game, no. so your opinion is slightly different in the way that like that continuity doesn't yet exist in in, in my brain in your yeah. brain. So so I, I totally get mm. that, but uh, but for me it just didn't didn't really work too well. Um, the other characters though, uh, those all kind of fit very perfectly well with kind of the reasons as to how they're all different, mm-hmm. you know, in different spots in the galaxy and in, in the sequel. Um, but yeah, it was, that one was the kind of the one exception for me that just sort of, it's like, okay, it just felt a little forced. Uh, but you know, again, it's not for everybody. I'm just one of those people, you know, there's a time and the place and I just thought this book, maybe it wasn't right. The right, the right Mm -hmm. book to have something like that. Um, but especially seeing as it it is only 19 chapters, which is a weirdly short Star Wars book because we've read Star Wars books that have very consistently been within the 27 to like 42 chapter mark Mm -hmm. and this one is definitely on the lower kind of smaller side Mm -hmm. uh so i just didn't didn't know if like i'm pretty sure there was an entire chapter in there which it was like dedicated just to marin and this other character fret maybe two two yeah two 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 chapters total yeah Yeah. which is a lot of space Mm -hmm. in the book (laughs) so i was like okay maybe uh maybe a bit too focused on that through this whole ordeal but Mm -hmm. Um, but the rest of it was all right. The rest of the story that, that they built for Marin here mm-hmm. was, was pretty good. But did you have anything to add on that or, um, yeah, I just, I just loved her to hear her internal struggles. Um, mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people have those same internal struggles of, am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Um, type of thing. Like I've got to be strong. I got to protect and just hearing, Marin thinking, hey, I'm the protector of this group. But then also hearing from Cal, he thinks he's the protector of this group. And then how they have to, are forced to work together and trust each other instead of one person just doing it. Mm. Um, kind of really added something to me, for me. Um, just because it's like, hey, these two people think they're the same thing. But they're really not. Right. Um so that was kind of interesting how they were played off of that, um, being the protector of the group. And I think everyone kind of felt like they were. Yeah. Uh, Sierra always thought that she has to protect everyone and she has to come up with the best plan mm-hmm. and just kind of from the background kind of protect everyone. Um, but then Cal's like, no, I got to take the heat off of everyone. And Marin's like, no, I got to make sure no one can touch anyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, and you, you combine that in a cocktail with all their mm-hmm. separate reasons for fighting, yeah. for fighting what they're, you know, for doing mm-hmm. what they're doing. And, you know, just in a nutshell, you know, Cal basically wants to put a dent in the Empire. Marin wants to avenge her night sister's deaths and she can't take it out on the Separatists anymore. Mm-hmm. So the, the Empire will have to do. And then Seer's whole thing is she wants to try and leave a legacy of the Jedi behind so that, you know, the future can benefit mm-hmm. from from their work. And then uh, Greece, I, I'm blanking on why he's doing what he's doing. I think he's just kind of maybe he just likes the company. I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> that that one wasn't as clear. No, uh, but yeah, you know, there there is kind of like all, they, they there's a point in the book where they all kind of come to realize that they're all doing they're all fighting together for separate reasons, and there's like a certain situation which kind of makes them realize like, oh, we're not really on the same page with mm-hmm. any of this. And, you know, how on earth did we last this long? But we care about each other. Yeah. 
So like it makes it difficult, right? Mm-hmm. And so th- I love how the second game kind of picks that up and 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 you see these characters slowly kind of come back together again for for you know reasons of the story, but um it, it's it's a, it's kind of nice how this book sort of does lay some foundation for that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh you know that being said, I think you know that's that's pretty much the that's pretty much the book and uh you know let's do some Pablo's Pablo points or Pudus, the uh, the main attraction of the evening. So uh, this is a rating system out of seven. All right. So three Pablo Pudus is the absolute worst of the worst. That's zero percent. Okay. Moving up from there, you got two, one Pablo Pudu, and then you got a fifty percent, which is Bendu. All right. And then you go into the positive range. You got Pablo points. Pablo one Pablo point, two Pablo point, three Pablo point, three being the absolute best of the best of the best, right? Mm-hmm. So um, my question to you, sir, yes, is what would you give this Star Wars book? I would give it one Pablo point, um, a little bit better than fifty percent, um, but could be a lot better. Um, I feel like, like I've said, they've made a really great foundation for storytelling in the future. Um, but the story in in and of itself wasn't quite for me. Um, it kind of seemed like they had taken some liberties that they didn't need to focus on something Mm -hmm. that they could have done a lot quicker and kind of added to character developing another way could have dove into Greece a little bit better. Yeah. Um, overall, overall, still an enjoyable story. So that's yeah. where I land. Yeah, I think um, I think we're on the same page. Um, it was more than a Bendu, but definitely didn't get my uh, my two Pablo points. Um, I would I would say uh, I would say one Pablo point. You know, if I were to round it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's a good Star Wars book. I wouldn't say it's a must read. Um, but you know, it's in that territory where if you're invested with these characters, it's a good one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would say it gets, uh, somewhere in an A territory grade of, uh, of being, uh, a good connective tissue to the, the sequel of the game. And for sure. Yeah. That being said, uh, the third game of the trilogy is in pre-production. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this story plays out. I know you're going to head home and play the rest of the, the second game this week. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to converse about Jedi Survivor on uh, next week's podcast episode of Star Wars Escape Pod. And, uh, you know, I hope to see you there. And otherwise, we've, we've, got, a, we've got a party of people who have, uh, have recently finished the game. Um, but uh, thank you again, AJ, for coming back on the podcast and uh you know we will uh we'll see you in uh in another episode i hope sounds good all right another book review yes <laughs> or a game or a game we'll see we'll see <laughs> all right and uh thank you all for tuning into the podcast if you need to get in touch with us at all for any reason or just leave us a friendly comment you can follow our twitter at sw escape podcast instagram at the same handle you can find us on youtube as well with the same handle at sw escape podcast and our email is sw escape podcast at gmail.com feel free to send in a voice memo if you uh, wish to leave some sort of voicemail 
Uh, we love hearing from our listeners. Not that we get too many messages, but we do see you tuning into the show. So uh, continue sharing the show with your friends. That always helps us out a lot. Uh, like I mentioned before, those five stars do a huge amount of work to bump the show up in the search results. And that's what we like to see. Keep an eye out for those episodes in the future. And we'll see you next time on Star Wars Escape Pod. May the force be with you. <laughs>